0: The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. Well, it's time now to open up our Bibles and let me encourage you to grab a copy of the Scriptures and open with me to Luke and chapter two. If you need a Bible, grab one in the pew rack near you. On page eight hundred and fifty-eight, or whatever Bible you have, we're opening to Luke and chapter two this morning, uh, known as the Christmas narrative text. But we're actually looking beyond that and just quickly I want to say that uh, I would venture to guess that you're like me in Advent season in that you are busy and distracted and perhaps frustrated with the extent of business and distraction you are experiencing. There are things today that are resting on your minds that are making it difficult for you to focus even in the context of worship as your mind goes a million miles an hour one way or the other and you're thinking about what you still have to do even after church already. What we need to do with that is first acknowledge that our minds are busy and active and going a million directions and simply confess that and say, it's time to slow down. What we are doing in the celebration of Advent this year is... Collecting our thoughts around, most appropriately, Jesus. But especially Jesus and his human nature, the humanity of Jesus. We have been reflecting in these Sunday Advents on uh, the person of Jesus Christ. Who is this child? lying in a manger, being approached with wonder and amazement by all who hear the proclamation of the angels. And as we experience in that same sense, in our mind's eye, through our faith and trust, our own approach to the Christ child, hopefully experiencing something of this Similar wonder and amazement falling over us as we consider the grandeur and the glory of the Christ child, as our mind is filled with thoughts of Jesus and our heart overflows with love for Jesus. We want that this Advent season. Especially, we have been thinking about his humanity. And two weeks ago, we considered what it means that he is a human. And then last week, we we asked, What does it mean that Jesus has a body? This week we're looking at the question of what does it mean that Jesus has a mind, a mind, and then next week, Lord willing, his will, and then on Christmas Eve, the human affections of Jesus. But we've been thinking about Jesus, solely focusing on the person of Jesus Christ, and Still this morning, we're thinking of his mind. And so let us pause and pray and ask God's blessing upon his word as we collect our thoughts here on the person of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that with your word open before us, you speak to us the words of life. That here you reveal to us your son. Father, how desperately we need to see him this morning how wandering our attention is, how distant our affections are. So, Lord, bring us to Him. Bring us to Christ again and fill our eyes full of Him and our hearts full of love for Him. And, Lord, speak to us in Your Word and illuminate our minds with the power of Your Spirit to behold wonderful things in Your Word, we ask. In the power of Jesus' name, amen. And now hear God's Word from Luke and chapter 2. Actually be reading beginning in verse 39 through verse 52. Luke chapter 2 at verse 39. Hear the word of God. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Amen. The grass. Withers in the flower phase, but the word of God abides forever. May he write its truth on our hearts today. And what we're looking at here in Luke chapter 2 is something of the forgotten section of Luke chapter 2 because usually, especially this time of year, all that gets attention is the first half of Luke 2 and the birth narratives and what we conventionally think of as the Christmas story. But the second half of Luke chapter 2 is absolutely filled with wonderful things that bring us to a point of absolute amazement and we want to linger on just this one aspect that Luke reports twice. Notice it in verse 40 and verse 52. In verse 40 and verse 52, the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. And in verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is is where we're going to linger here this morning. Now, when you come to Luke chapter 2, what you're finding is, again, the, the second half of the story in the sense that Jesus stayed in Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph until he was probably about two years old. And Matthew's gospel gives us more information about the family's flight to Egypt when Herod wanted to murder all the children two years old and younger. And so it was probably Jesus was about two years old when his family fled to Egypt. And the assumption is when we read the text that they were in Egypt, not necessarily for years and years, but maybe for several months rather than many, many years. But when we come to Luke chapter 2, especially in verse 39 and 40, you have Jesus somewhere about the age of, say, three to four years old. And when you come to the end of Luke chapter 2, especially in verse 52, you have Jesus about 12 years old. And we've been thinking this Advent season about Jesus growing up and, and aging and his body and all the rest, but here we find Jesus with particular emphasis, Luke reports, on his intellectual growth. That Jesus grew, verse 40, in wisdom. And the narrative reports his understanding. And in verse 52, again, increasing in wisdom and in stature. You think about this. And we don't think about Jesus this way very often, do we? If you've got nephews, if you've got Son or a grandchild? What were they like at three years old? You think of them intellectually, developmentally, what are they doing? They've been walking probably for maybe two years or so. They've learned to run, maybe. They've learned to get into some mischief. They've learned to grab things that they're not supposed to grab and reach things that you tell them no and and all the rest. But this is Jesus Three years old, going back to Nazareth to grow up. And then he fast forwards in verse 42, and Jesus is 12 years old. And we say, My, they grow up so fast. And Jesus, according to Luke, is growing up fast. He is skipping over time to the point where Jesus is now becoming a young man with his family traveling to Jerusalem. Verse 42 says, According to custom, uh, meaning they're going to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem, and so they're going to take the journey. Jesus, at 12 years old, is bar mitzvah age. He's becoming the son of the commandment, which is what that word means. He's going, in a personal way also, to celebrate this, to visit the big city, if you like, to the temple, taking several days. And that journey takes even longer because his parents forget him. We're not focusing necessarily on those details per se, but the reason why is because they're probably traveling in a caravan where all the adults are up front and the kids are out back and it takes Jesus' mother and Joseph a a day to even figure out their kid's not here. And that's because Jesus is demonstrating his understanding in the Father's house. They find Jesus speaking and questioning the rabbis and 12-year-old Jewish boys don't question rabbis. They receive instruction from rabbis. And yet here is Jesus asking them questions. Mary says to him in verse 48, Your father and I have been worried sick. Isn't that an interesting turn of phrase if you think about that? Your father and I. And Jesus says, no, no must be in my Father's house. But the, the focus here that I'm trying to draw our attention on, again, in verse 52, is that Jesus is growing and increasing in wisdom. He is becoming more and more intelligent in stature, in favor with God and man. Jesus, increasing in wisdom, his human mind learning. Jesus is learning. And I want to ask you the question, does that match your understanding of who Jesus is? Can Jesus Learn. How often do we think about Jesus in this way? Now, what we believe and what we confess and what we've been looking at these last several weeks is that Jesus is, of course, fully God and fully man, 100% human, 100% divine, in the one person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how can we make sense of this whole Jesus learning and growing and developing, and particularly his His mind. And we're going to look at that under three questions, but, but first, you might be interested to know that throughout church history, this has been something of a real problem because as people try to make sense of this, how does, how does the humanity and the deity of Jesus, how do they, how do they relate to each other? And, and we'll look at particular illustrations of this that have puzzled people for generations, as it seems. How does the humanity and the deity of Jesus relate to each other, particularly with what he knows? And there were some who were saying, well, when it comes to Jesus, what you have is a, a, a man. But, but God was his mind. The mind of Jesus was God, but the body of Jesus was human. And that's how that works. And it didn't take long for that to be declared a, a heresy. That's wrong. So we ask the question, how do we make sense of this? That Jesus is fully human and fully divine, that his mind is fully human. We are thinking about in this Advent season, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And when you ask those questions, you get difficult scenarios. They're hard questions to ask. It's tough to make sense of this. And the metaphor that I am calling to mind here is that some of you, when you see a cliff, say, I'm not going anywhere near that. And there are some of you who find a cliff and you say, I wonder what's down there. And What we want to do this morning is think of this question of how, how does this work as something of a cliff that attracts us to kind of sneak a little bit closer and say, I wonder, I wonder what's down there, to ask questions about Jesus that might be somewhat speculative, dangerous questions perhaps, questions that will cause us to say, wow, I've never, never thought about that before but nevertheless to inch a bit closer to the edge and say, how does this work? How does Jesus know what he knows? How does this work? And so the first question to ask is just that. What does Jesus know? What does Jesus know? Now, with respect to Jesus being God and his divine mind, there is no fact or detail, or element of truth in all the cosmos that Jesus does not know because God, he is the creator. From the end to the beginning, the cattle on a thousand hills, infinite knowledge. God possesses infinite knowledge because he is himself the creator of knowledge. Knowledge exists within himself. There is no knowledge outside of God. And so with respect to God himself, he knows all things. But that's not the question. What does Jesus know In his human mind. This three year old Jesus, this 12 year old Jesus, what does Jesus know? The Jesus that's asking rabbis questions. Luke is saying in verse 40 and in verse 52, and you know, Luke is a physician, he's a doctor, he has a medical fascination with the reality of this, and he reports to us that Jesus is growing. Was Luke a pediatrician? We don't know. They probably didn't specialize like they do today. But Luke takes this fascinated interest in the normal human development of Jesus and says he's growing up. Whatever growth percentile he's in, whatever. Now, are you fascinated by that? Luke is. Jesus grows up. And you know. And there are times, we're asking this question, what does Jesus know? There are times when the disciples say to Jesus, like in the upper room in John chapter 16, they say to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know all things. And he doesn't reject that. And yet there are times when you read the Gospels where Jesus doesn't know something. What do, you, what do you do with that? For example, in Mark chapter 13 and verse 32, Jesus does not know the date of the second coming. Everybody wants to know. When, when is the Son of Man returning? And Jesus says, plainly, I don't know. I don't know. Now when you read the Bible, that verse is a verse that even the most liberal of New Testament scholars loves to say is absolutely true. Because if you were making all this Jesus business up, you would never put in there that Jesus doesn't know something. But they look at that verse and say, ha, see, you know, Jesus, he doesn't know he's not God. And so if you believe in Jesus and you're reading the New Testament and you find a Jesus who says, I don't know, what will you do with that? Do you find that to be something that you have to reconcile or struggle with? With respect to his humanity, Jesus does not know. And it's not the case that Jesus' divinity slides over to his humanity and just tips him off to the answer. It doesn't work like that, he doesn't know. The timing of the second coming is not information for humanity, it is to the Father only, it's not an appropriate bit of knowledge to humanity, Jesus doesn't know, and yet, when you find him in John chapter 4, he's able to say to the woman at the well, the details of her life, and that woman can go back to her hometown and say, come and meet a man who told me all these things about my life, and then a few chapters later, in John chapter 11, he has to ask Mary and Martha, where have you laid your brother? So again, what, what, what do we make of this? We, we have this default mentality to say, no, Jesus is God. No, surely he knows everything. But we don't stop to think about the fact that Jesus had to learn to speak. Jesus has to, to learn to articulate himself, to vocalize words. Jesus had first words. You probably remember the first words of your family members or whomever, and you celebrate them. Oh, they said this. Maybe, maybe Mary ran into the carpenter shop and said, Joseph, he said mommy. He said it to me first. Jesus' first words. We have no idea. But could three-year-old Jesus, could 12-year-old Jesus, could 33-year-old Jesus, could he, could he sing Silent Night along with us on Christmas Eve? No. Why? Because he doesn't know that. It's not an appropriate bit of knowledge. He does not know. He doesn't know who's going to win the Super Bowl, if you like. But Luke says he's growing in wisdom. And there's that cliff. I mean, I want to take another step closer. What does Jesus know? And we find that he's limited in his knowledge because of his humanity. And yet we ask the question, how does Jesus know? How is it that Jesus knows what he knows and doesn't know what he doesn't know? How does he acquire information? How does he... Acquire knowledge. Well, he has to learn just like you do. How did you, how did you teach your children, your grandchildren? They went to school. Jesus probably went to school in the synagogue where he read and he was taught and he washed and he probably learned carpentry in Joseph's carpentry shop. And he had to learn how to use a chisel, perhaps. You can imagine Joseph coming alongside him saying, no, 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 not like that, like this. Right? If you ever worked alongside an old carpenter, you've been harassed by them. Okay? As I have been. I don't know if Joseph harassed Jesus. No, you're not doing that right. Jesus had to learn to use a saw. Joseph died. His brothers had to take over the family business. Jesus has to go to school. Jesus has to learn Aramaic and learn Hebrew. And Luke is saying he's growing up, and here's what he, grow up, he grows up, goes up in knowledge and his capacity to learn it. And how does that work? Well, in one sense, it works the same way you learn. Well, what about the spiritual truth that Jesus knows? You know, when we read God's Word, we first pray, don't we? We pray for illumination. We ask God to bless His Word to us with understanding by His Spirit. And we can clearly say that Jesus also had to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit. The things that He knows that He otherwise could never have known. The information that he has, that, that you and I would never have had, he knows. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has given him that information by way of illumination. Much like a, an Old Testament prophet, he knows because the Spirit teaches him. Luke wants us to see in the reality of this Christmas story, this incredible incarnation of the Son of God, in the sense that he is a real man growing up in wisdom and in knowledge and stature with God. Growing in what he knows and how he knows it. And take, take one more step forward towards the cliff and ask the question. What does Jesus know about himself? His self-consciousness. Okay? You have a self-consciousness. You are aware of who you are and what you do and why you do it. Jesus has self-consciousness. What does Jesus know about himself? He has this divine self-consciousness where he is aware that he is God. But at what point does Jesus learn this? At what point does Jesus learn that he's God? Does Jesus know that he is God as a two-year-old coming back to Nazareth? Does he know it as a 12-year-old traveling to Jerusalem, talking to the rabbis? He Surely he knows it as we read of him later on in the Gospels. But When does he figure this out? And, and this is pure speculation, of course, and it's only somewhat humorous, perhaps. You start to ask, how does this work? Mary saying to Jesus, go clean your room. Surely he obeyed. You can imagine him saying, Mary says, because I said so. And Jesus saying, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth and laid the foundation? You know, he didn't work like that. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows. There are times when he uses the divine name of God in John chapter 8. Jesus says before, Abraham was, I am. How would he know how to do that? And here is this very special detail in Luke's gospel that I just want us to treasure like Mary did. When you read the Christmas narrative, what's so easy to skip over is what Luke says in chapter 2, both in verse 19 and in verse 51. Luke chapter 2, verse 19 and verse 51, Luke says that as all these things are happening... Mary does what? She treasures these things up and ponders them and and thinks about them. She recalls them. How is it that Jesus learned all these things about himself? And I don't think it's foolishness to say what? That Mary told him. that Mary told him about the angelic announcement and Mary told him about the shepherds and Mary told him about the wise men and Mary told him about Herod and Mary told him about all these things, pointing to the reality, Son, you are our Messiah. The hope of our nation, the hope of the ends of the earth is in you, Son. Now, every mom thinks their kid's special. But could you just imagine perhaps Mary saying to her son, her real son, who's a true human son, there is no one like you and our hopes are in you. The boy Jesus would have been called upon to believe that about himself. Jesus has to grow in faith and belief in who he is. Because he doesn't look like any kind of Messiah, and yes, that's true, because Israel was looking for the Messiah to be this or do this, and Jesus doesn't look like that, but yet he truly is. Jesus has come, not to exalt himself, but to die, come to serve Come to do all these things in which he lays down his life. Jesus must lead his life and grow in wisdom and grow in stature and grow in obedience. Grow into this true human role as the mediator of sinful mankind. He himself, not sinful at all. He who knows everything veiled his knowledge willingly within his humanity. Taking upon the limitations of a human mind that can't talk and has to learn to speak, learn to reason, learn to understand, learn to trust and believe. This Jesus. So what will you, what will you do with that? You know, every, every sermon should have application, right? So what, right? Give me, give me something to do. Give me a, give me a take home. Give me like a, three things to do and send me on my way and have a better Monday. What's the application of, of, of this? The humanity of Jesus with respect to his mind, this Savior that we have. There's one application here. There could probably be more, but I want you to see just one. And it's the same one that is present every Lord's Day. It's present every second of every day of all of your life. And it's this, to do exactly what Mary did. And ponder and treasure the wonder of who Jesus Christ is. Advent is not just a season of Sentiment and celebration and joy, it is a season of careful reflection. What child is this? Who is this that has come and what has he come to do? And what does it mean for me to be invited to do what the shepherds do, to Fall down and worship the Christ who was at once a child and yet at the same time the second person of the Trinity, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And say, This is amazing. I I can't wrap my mind around this fully this child that is the Lord. Who is he in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? is the Lord, the King of glory. Fall on your knees and worship this glorious Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that in your word you reveal to us these details that might seem to be of only passing notice and yet... What incredible wonder we see to consider the person of our Lord Jesus who has come into this world for our sake that we whose minds are darkened by sin might be illuminated in the power of the Spirit to see Jesus and rest upon him in full trust for who he is. Lord, if nothing else, give us more of Jesus, we pray. Help us to do that in the power of your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.